Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. The fans have won already. What a spectacular week of competition we have seen. On this episode, it's Tommy Johnson Jr. and Cameron Ferre. We're talking Nitro today. And there is not a happier human being on planet Earth than the woman in that pro stock car. A clutch victory for Tommy Johnson Jr. in St. Louis. Goodbye, Snake, and hello, Ace. And an aspiring top fueler making his own way. And the wildest day of the history of this category is finally complete. This is the NHRA Insider. Hey everybody, welcome to the NHRA Insider. I'm Brian Loans back. We had a little bit of a uh, week off last week. We did not race last week. I had some other commitments to take care of, so there was no broadcast uh, of the NHRA Insider, which is kind of funny following um, the week that we had in St. Louis. It's just kind of funny the way things work out. I'll be able to talk a little bit more about what I was working on last week as we get closer to the Thanksgiving time frame. It's going to be a fun thing that I'm going to ask you all to check out when we get there, but no details I can share at this moment. We'll get to that in a few weeks. It was, as mentioned, a completely bonkers weekend in St. Louis for so many different reasons. And, you know, one of the things we need to talk about is uh, Camping World. We need to talk about what happened on race day. We need to talk about the conditions. We need to talk about really the way things shook out and still are shaking out from this weekend under the arch just across the river at Madison, Illinois Worldwide Technology Raceway. And I guess the best place to start is probably the biggest news of NHRA drag racing uh, or NHRA drag racing has had in years. And that is the fact that Camping World is now, and immediately so, the title sponsor of NHRA drag racing. So from Dallas forward, it will be the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. This is a sponsorship agreement that has kicked off um, with incredible immediacy. And we all kind of know the story at this point where uh, Coca-Cola Company decided to uh, t- to removed themselves, if you will, from the contract that they had with NHRA, um, did so in a very unexpected fashion and really kind of shook uh, many of us and many of people in the world of drag racing kind of all the way down to the core. This was a 20-plus year um, agreement that had been going on between the two companies that seemed rock solid, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. So it was a very tough day when we got the news that the Coca-Cola company was leaving the world of NHRA drag racing, and a lot of us were like, okay, so what's the next step? We're not exactly in the most stable of times uh, around the country financially with business and everything else. So it is interesting and certainly had set up a lot of questions. Uh, We had a lot more questions than answers in the early period of this Coca-Cola announcement. Then a single tweet from Marcus Lemonis, the man who is the CEO of Camping World, who has been an ardent supporter of motorsports for many, many years, uh, supporting, of course, the NASCAR truck series through a couple of different brands. It's going back to the Camping World Series next year. It has been the Gander Outdoors uh, series for a while, and it is going back to Camping World next year. He has been involved with them since 2008, uh, has been sponsoring individual racers and been involved in racing on many different levels. And as we learned in our conversation with Marcus Lemonis on the race broadcast, Tony Pedregon and I were able to interview him. Uh, he has a collection of 40 Corvettes, so he loves Corvettes. Guy grew up around cars as well, and over the course of his career in business has had good relations and good working relationships with people like Lee Iacocca and others. So automobiles, racing, car culture, um, not uh, far into this guy. He certainly gets it and enjoys supporting and understands the benefits of supporting the world of racing as it pertains to his business in the realm of camping and the other uh, many, many businesses that he is involved in. 
So this tweet comes out. Obviously, the conversations begin, and they began quietly. There was a lot of public back and forth in a fun way on Twitter. It was great to see how quickly and nimbly the NHRA's social media staff was able to respond and create content that uh, certainly matched uh, some of the funny stuff we saw coming from the Camping World side, kind of pound for pound. And it did not take long for those conversations to turn into something very serious, And as Marcus Lemonis told us during his interview, he sent a group of people to the Gator Nationals. uh, They were kind of clandestine. They were not uh, there as overt representatives of Camping World, but they were sent there to observe, to take photos, to ask questions, to see what was going on, and to see things in kind of a very natural light as how they would be seen by the normal fan or the normal person walking through the gate. And the fact that this happened on a year where the Gator Nationals and every other race has been limited on spectators, has been limited in so many ways, is interesting to me because it still made the impression that they were looking to see. It made the impression that they were looking to get reinforced, that our sport is uh, certainly very involved in camping. So many of our fans come and camp at or around the racetrack, um, that it is a diverse sport, that it is a sport that is diverse in both age and gender and race and all the other stuff that's going on, ethnicity. So um, he saw what he wanted to see, the company did, and talks continued to progress. Lo and behold, we were able to make the announcement at St. Louis on Sunday officially that Camping World was to become the title sponsor of the NHRA Championship Drag Racing Series. Um, It is uh, an astonishing thing in so many ways in modern business. You never know how things are going to go, how quickly they're going to go, how they're going to move. But the fact that both sides saw the value in each other so quickly came to this agreement. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing where it takes us in the world of NHRA Drag Racing. There are so many avenues now that open up in terms of race teams ability to market and sell themselves um, that maybe didn't exist previously there are certainly entities corporately that will be more interested in being involved in nhra drag racing with their product um, kind of understanding now this market demographic not only of camping but the fact that really the whole beverage industry kind of reopens again to the sport of drag racing and I think it's super important that, and and it's easy to be angry. Uh, maybe at Coca Cola, it's easy to be angry at them and think they've they've left us. They're going off. They made a business decision, and it is their decision to make. Obviously, um, it certainly is one that stung. You know, it's uh, it's like anything else. It is uh, not the best feeling when you have this partner for a very long time and they're no longer your partner. But the fact that uh, Camping World saw such value in us immediately, the fact that they said that they had been looking at drag racing for a while and just were trying to find the right way in, and then this opened up, um, it means a lot because that example will translate to other people and other businesses. I have already spoken to racers who have been able to make positive inroads, and in fact, at least one racer has closed a deal for next year because of the presence of Camping World. So uh, for those of you discounting the value of what this new era will be in NHRA drag racing, uh, you are very, very wrong. And I will, we'll find out just kind of how wrong you are as we get over the course of the off season. But um, the fact that these new avenues have opened, the fact that it is a tacit endorsement of a massive multi-billion dollar company to come on board with drag racing in the world of NHRA is a huge thing. And there are still plenty, plenty of hurdles to cover, plenty of hurdles to get over, plenty of valleys to walk through as we continue to navigate a COVID-19 world. But I feel as though it is incredibly uh, valuable that a man 
and a company uh, saw the value in this sport and were able to seize it immediately. This wasn't a, and we'll get back to you next year when we set the budgets. This was, we need to figure out how to do this. We need to make a deal that's good for both sides. We need to get it done now. And that's what happened. So we'll be continuing to follow the Camping World story uh, as we evolve through this sponsorship, as we find out how they're going to activate, what they're going to do, what things will be happening. And obviously, Lamona's a very creative guy, as his company is very creative. And I mean, they've done things like double that bounty that was on the head of Kyle Busch earlier this year in the truck series. They've done a lot of really interesting things, and it'll be fun to see what they bring to the table and what we can bring to the table as a partnership in NHRA drag racing. Then we can get to Sunday. I mean, Sunday was uh, one of the most nerve-wracking days for so many reasons I think I've ever had at a drag race. And it really started very early that morning with the interview we did with Marcus Lamonis, which happened uh, long before first round on Sunday. So Tony and I were uh, kind of in position to do that interview uh, pretty early on Sunday morning. We did it live. What you We did it live, what we call live to tape, meaning what you watched on the show Um was a live cut, if you will, of the interview we did. And uh, it was really interesting. It was great to talk to him. But certainly, uh, you want to put your best foot forward on the day that you're speaking and making this announcement to the new title sponsor. So especially a guy who's uh, kind of internationally known. So that was a really cool moment. Certainly got the adrenaline pumping before first round. And then we all know what happened on race day. It was uh, very cold. It was very windy. And it was... um, unpredictable beyond all beyond all measure i mentioned at the open of that show if you watch the fox broadcast i said we may be breaking records today and i said i think we're going to be breaking some race cars and we make those opens before the race starts it isn't like i watched the first two rounds and then we made this open and i tried to predict the future the answer is you know when you do this long enough and those of you that have been longtime fans you start looking at certain things certain factors that the racers and the teams are going to face And you understand that there's going to be some carnage on a day like that. Now, we had no idea how much of it there would be and how bad it would get. But we typically see engines have massive explosions on days when it is very dry and very cool because any real small failure in an engine, any real small mishap in a tune-up is going to absolutely just nuclearize that thing when it's making incredible power. We saw Leah Pruitt have just an astonishing accident that she walked away from she was um sore obviously in her back uh all indications are she will be racing this weekend in dallas she has her car back if you will from tony schumacher because that was her backup car that tony schumacher was racing so that car went back to leah todd okahara neil strasbaugh and crew which is important because of the fact that you know their tune-up works on that style of car so she'll be back in that machine which ironically was the one that she flew next to I have not been able to follow up with the team to get specifics on what they have learned about the chassis failing as it did on that car. Hopefully this weekend on the race broadcast we'll have more on that. And I know guys like John Kernan out there in Indianapolis are pounding the pavement to get information on that front. It was an unbelievable wreck. We've seen others like it over the course of Top Fuel history, but certainly had not seen one like that in years. And the fact she was able to pop out of that car was something. Then, of course, we had Alexis DeJoria having her massive explosion in the second round. Um, Again, a a size of explosion, a violence of explosion we have not seen in a while. We've seen plenty of big ones, but we've not really seen one go 
um, you know, that kind of completely haywire. And uh, we were actually going to talk to Alexis DeJoria this week for NHRA.com via Skype. So if you're following along NHRA's social media channels this week, make sure you look out for that. I really want to get into the nitty gritty of what that experience is like. And also the follow-up experience of having umpteen dozen crew members over there from pretty much every team across the pits working to get your car repaired and back for the next round. It did not work out in that next round for Alexis, but the fact she was back in the car and it was running on the starting line was an incredible testament to not only their team, but also the world of NHRA drag racing and the closeness of the competition that happens in the pits and the camaraderie that happens between the competing organizations. The Pro Stock story, we got to talk about it. Pro Stock Motorcycle, Pro Stock Car. Uh, Kenny Delco suffered a, a rollover-style crash. The car got up uh, slightly out of the groove, rotated sideways, and then got up on its lid um, and skidded to a stop. Thankfully, he was able to climb out um, undaunted. I'm not sure if we're going to see him, Dallas. I certainly hope we are. Uh, I don't know if he has a backup car that is uh, able to be turned around in time for that event. He is on the entry list, so hopefully he is trying to qualify at the Texas Motorplex this weekend. Pro Stock was stopped halfway through the second round, and the race will be finished. This also goes for Pro Stock Motorcycle. The race will be finished during qualifying in Dallas, and there is some you know, controversy about that. There's There are people that say, hey, we need to be rerunning the entire round. Uh, that needs to start over from the top. Other people are saying, hey, um, this is this is how it goes. This is what we do. If we stop around, we, we kind of take everything that's been done and just transfer it over to the next race. So uh, there is definitely two two definite sides to, this, to that story. There is uh, those that feel the aggrieved parties, if you will, feel as though that they deserve another shot at their competitors that they should have gotten in St. Louis because of uh, the conditions and or you know, the car is being very loose at the top end. And there's the other side that says, hey, this was in the books and we're going to move ahead from where it's at. So I'm sure everybody listening is on one side of that fence or the other. And um, it has certainly been all over the media. We're going to find out how it plays out. Greg Anderson uh, advanced over Jay Coughlin. That was uh, that was a big one. Uh, Jay Coughlin, 34 points back at the moment as far as the championship hunt goes with both Jason Line and Eric Anders yet to run in that next round to find out who's going to go ahead who's going to end up where so dallas will be effectively two races for pro stock motorcycle and pro stock car as we finish both of them in qualifying and then on sunday run our normal eliminator of those two categories to find out who leaves with the AAA of texas fall nationals title so you know when we look back at st louis uh, we see big numbers big performances and we see some big time scary stuff. And, you know, it was um, a battle even to get one round of qualifying in. If we're kind of telling the story backwards, obviously the whole weekend was kind of topsy turvy as we had a lot of weather coming on Saturday. And the race cars did not get on the racetrack until much later in the afternoon. Those of you that watched the qualifying show know that Tony Schumacher came out and just blew down the racetrack first pass with a high 360. And it's like, okay, this is how the whole session's going to go. And that wasn't it at all. Uh, Top Fuel and Nitro Funny Car um, really had their battles just getting down a very cold racetrack at night in St. Louis. And it was kind of to the point where race officials said, you know what, we're not even going to run Pro Stock Car and Pro Stock Motorcycle tonight. They actually laddered those cars on their point standings, which is what the rulebook says you do. If you're not going to run a qualifying session, you ladder the cars on where they stand in the current NHRA championship point standings. And so the problem there 
if you're somebody that's outside of the top 16 in points, as several of the pro stock racers were, they never even got to see the racetrack. And it is an unfortunate circumstance. Um, to some degree, you know, discretion always the better part of valor in that case where you didn't send them down the racetrack to find out if there was a problem. You kind of preemptively decided that it was in their best interest not to do that. Same can be said for pro stock motorcycle. And um, it was uh, it was a wacky first round all across the board, and it was one that I don't think we'll see repeated this year in terms of conditions. We are looking at weather in the 80s this weekend. Uh, it should be very nice in Dallas, which means it should be pretty fast in Dallas as well. Not going to be in the mine shaft like we were in St. Louis. Not going to be in the 50s. Not going to have a bunch of wind. It should be a very comfortable weekend at the Texas Motorplex, and that should make it comfortable for the teams as well as the drivers and the crew chiefs. And then we get to find out who will try to make some distance in these championship runs when we look at the top fuel category obviously it is turning into the doug coletta steve torrent show with leah still involved she's about four rounds back so she really needs to do something kind of spectacular here in texas as to not lose any more ground we look at the nitro funny car battle it is of course going to be matt hagan jack beckman or tommy johnson jr Yes, there are some racers that are still mathematically eligible, but they are so far back at this point, it seems as though their hopes have dimmed greatly, and those three racers are going to be battling to the finish line if, in terms of a championship. That's one of the reasons I'm going to have Tommy Johnson as our first guest on this show is because of the fact that he is in the thick of this thing, and he had an incredibly clutch performance. His whole team did at St. Louis to deal with the conditions and deal with everything they were getting thrown at them. To pull off the win, as they did in St. Louis, to put themselves back into contention for a championship, I want to talk about what that means to him as well as his family's legacy at that race. And then in pro stock, Jason Line, Erica Enders, almost in a dead heat with Jed Coughlin now 34 points back, and that will change when we run the elimination rounds of St. Louis during Dallas qualifying. And in Pro Stock Motorcycle, it's very tight. It is spread so far across the board right now because we've had so many different winners. There really is no true championship contending leader right now. It is such a knot with so many good motorcycles let, uh, still in the battle, I should say, for the championship in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, I'm not even going to go on a limb and say who even the top three of those bikes are because it, it'll change by the minute, especially, again, during the delayed eliminations from St. Louis in Dallas. We'll be covering those elimination runs in our Dallas qualifying shows on Saturday and Sunday on FS1. So it's going to be really, really cool to find out how all that shakes out. So now we have shaken out a new sponsor. We've shaken out a crazy race day in St. Louis. Let's shake out our first guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. He is your St. Louis Nitro Funny Car winner, Tommy Johnson Jr. How you doing, TJ? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing really well, man. I wanted to catch up with you because uh, obviously a huge win for you guys in St. Louis. I want to talk a little bit about what was uh, kind of the most insane race day I've probably ever seen in the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years of me being around out there. Um, I want to start on a subject I think is, I want your opinion on this, but is this or was this the most clutch win of your career? Because I feel like it was. Yeah, with the situation at hand, you know, I mean, uh, a shortened season you never know what's coming next and and it's getting tight and who knows how many races we got you know i mean it's 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 changing every day and all of a sudden you're in a points battle and then you kind of you stumble and then hey i've got a chance to be back in it and let's get this thing done and you know uh, big round wins you know not just not just a, a race win but just some huge round wins over over guys that are one and two in points you're chasing them and your teammates and yeah it was it was a huge win and and, and a, a must win you had to get it done and and 
that don't always happen. So uh, it was a great day. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. You know, we talk about these must-win kind of scenarios, and it is so difficult to actually dial one up when you need to in drag racing, and you guys were able to do it. And like you mentioned, the way you won the race, you know, you get second-round win over the number one qualifier, Paul Lee. You beat him on a whole shot. Uh, so that one's on you totally, 100%. You get him. Uh, then you get to the later rounds, and you have to get around Beckman and then Hagen. And I guess for your team, you know, as all this chaos is going on over the course of the day, I know you guys are kind of in your bubble in the pit area, but you have to be keeping your eye out or your ears open a little bit and looking around going, man, this is weird. Yeah, it was weird. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, after first round, I you were towing back and just getting just getting to the pits, and I heard uh, Kenny Delco crash. Oh, that's bad, you know, and that's not good. And and uh, you know, there's going to be a little delay. And we get up there for second round, and and I'm watching Leah right in front of me. I'm the next pair in the water box and see, see her crash. And you know, I'm like, oh man, this is this is a crazy day. What's going on? And just as the day went on, you know, then I seen Caps blow up and Hagen and he had problems. And you know, you see all this stuff going on and everybody blowing up. Alexis blows up. We were actually on our way back to pits on that one too. And it just, uh, just a crazy day. And you think, man, what's going on? We're having a pretty good day. What's happening here? You know, so yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting as well. You know, you, you, get, you gotta keep focused, but you think, man, what is going on? Yeah, and in those conditions, when we when we started that show, I you know I said in the opening of the show we may break some records today, but we're, we're probably gonna break some race cars, and it's like. You know, it almost seems like those conditions are so far afield of anything we see. You know, when Alexis's car exploded, for example, you know, that was a a explosion. We have not seen one of that kind of volume in a long time. And those conditions, not only they lead to fast runs, but they also lead to kind of a what would seem to be kind of a knife edge setup. Right. Just the air is so good. It was really tough, you know. Uh, we we had a uh, parts damage the first round. It uh, it quit before I got to the finish line. First round, and I thought I said, "Hey, this thing shut off and it's vibrating, shut down." I go, like, oh, "I know what that is." You know, I've been there before. Yeah. And then uh, you just couldn't get enough fuel in it. You know, the air was so good. And we came from such bad air in Gainesville to you know race day there is such great air, and we kept putting more fuel in it. Still had some parts damage on the second round and. By the semifinals, we got enough fuel in it, you know, got it running and performance picked up. And But it's just so drastically different than what we normally run. And it, it, it's almost one of those cases where you think, it surely can't take that much fuel. Right. You know, why would we put that right. much fuel right. in what it? What are you we know? doing but here? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, you, you can't hardly make yourself do it. And, and we just kept adding more and adding more. And it kept running better and better and parts looked better. So, yeah, it was such extreme conditions. It was almost hard to make yourself make those drastic changes. And I think that's probably why we saw a lot of the damage on Sunday. Yeah, and I have a question, too. Obviously, you know, the, the Nitro Funny Cars and Top Fuel Dragsters are, are way less they're way more uh, equipped to use the air to their advantage to plant the car. You know, that's why they stopped uh, the pro stock and pro stock motorcycle, just because they're afraid of, of any more craziness, like what happened at Delco from the seat. I mean, do you, other than the car, you know, spinning the tire on occasion, which is obviously those things are want to do almost anywhere we race, but does it feel any different on a day like we had in St. Louis? You know, the pro stock guys are on this, this, this ragged edge in terms of, you're a foot out of the groove and you're in big trouble. Does any of that translate to your seat in a funny car? It, it can. It didn't, it didn't, I didn't notice it too much on Sunday. You know, I knew I was, you know, you're always listening while you're in the stadium lanes and stuff. I heard Caps' car make a move and hit the wall down there. And, you know, just, I thought, well, it's pretty windy. Maybe I'll be on my toes. So I was aware of it first round, but, but had no issues. Didn't really, didn't have any uh, effect from it. So, you know, I have had it in the past. There's there's tracks we have big grandstands, uh, like Vegas, for instance. Yeah. Uh, gets windy out there sometimes. You'll feel it push the car over when you go past the grandstands and, and things like that. But 
I didn't notice it too bad at St. Louis. You know, I think the uh, the circle track is at the t- towards the top end helps block wind from one way. They have motorhomes all all past the grandstands on yeah. the other side, and I think for us it, it really wasn't a big factor. But you do put it in the back of your mind. You know, I mean, you hear all these people having problems. You think, well, I better be on my toes when we get down there. And we had an issue Sunday. I don't know if it was the tires we were running or we we balanced them after after first round trying to figure it out. But uh, the car was vibrating real bad, and and. And also, we're wearing a bunch of clutch because it's making a ton of power out there, and it's got a bunch of clutch dust in the car. And man, I was having a tough time seeing on Sunday. From from half track on, it was like almost no vision. You know, I was just kind of using my peripheral vision to see where I was at. So, man, yeah, it was a it was a challenging day for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, if we take a step back and go back to qualifying, obviously, you know, it, the whole race weekend will go down as one of the weirdest I think I've ever experienced. And again, <laughs> we talk about pro stock and motorcycle. They didn't even make a qualifying run; they just got laddered on their on their points. You guys had one swing at it, and you know, it, it was interesting to me because again it's nighttime now it's freezing cold the track is cold and i'm wondering that what was the difference mentality wise between what you guys went up trying to do on saturday night and then what you actually accomplished doing on sunday because it seems like saturday night was literally just throwing darts into a dark room yeah those situations you'll you'll get one or two cars that make it because the uh it gets so critical to be it has to be just perfect to go because the track gets so cold the rubber gets tight the car wants to go out and shake. There's no give in the rubber. The tire doesn't tire doesn't want to slip at all. And you know, I mean, it's it's such a shot in the dark. We went up there just to go down the track, try to go down the track. You know, not really go aggressive. Probably actually tried to be a little soft, but yet not too soft that you shake. And, you know, it's just a it's a mess. You know yeah. the truth. And I'm watching the session go on, and I'm thinking, oh, this is a waste of time. What are we doing here? You know. And, and I'm asking John, do you want me to try to pedal it? Do you want me to, you know, what do I need? He goes, eh, if you can slap it, maybe, I don't know. I mean, what's the use? And and uh, it did. It went up, blew the tires off, turned the throttle. And I, I just kind of squeezed it back down. And I thought, well, I've seen a bunch of them. Not, I mean, there's been like three or four cars make it down there halfway decent. Maybe if I can just get it down there a little better, we're good. And luckily I did, you know, put yeah. us in the top eight, you know, with a seven-second run or something. I put us top eight and got lane choice, so. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought, well, that was that was a long day for nothing, you know. I mean, it, uh, it was it was pretty weird, and I thought, and, and it's, it was funny because I was a little nervous about it because the track of St. Louis I, last year, I had trouble seeing there at night and drove it too. I drove it past the finish line too far because I lost track of the finish line, and I thought, man, if this thing does make it, I hope I can see, you know. And yeah. there's all kinds of stuff going through your head, but uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting session not, not i don't know i've seen too many that way on you know here it is one run you're qualified and we're, we're canceling the other one the race off of points and yeah it was a unique unique start from the start to finish you know you you come in now to the dallas race this weekend um you're only what 34 back i think out of the lead uh it's you matt you hagan and beckman of course that are in this kind of three-way fight um as i sit here and i think about your position I think I'd almost want to be where you're sitting right now because obviously we've seen this lead change back and forth. Uh, We know that you can run with those two guys. We know that they can run with each other. And we have points and a half coming at the last race. We have Dallas and then Houston before we go to Vegas. I mean, I'm not thinking 34 back and sitting in this position you're in is the worst place in the world right now. No, it's it's kind of I I actually think I like it better. You know, I I tend to enjoy being the chaser instead of the being chased and, and you're always looking over your shoulder, you know, you think, man, we got to win this round. Did they win? You know, how close are they? And, you know, we know what we got to do. We got to go out there and win rounds and just uh, keep going rounds, not let them get ahead of us, you know, just 
just keep uh, see if we can knock twenty points off every you know here, knock twenty points off there, and next thing you know, you're in the lead. And I, I'd love to go out and win the next two and go to Vegas and go, yeah, okay, we're good, you know. But uh, that probably won't happen. That's that usually doesn't happen. So we'll go out there and try to put together a good weekend. You know, you can you can have a bad weekend and all of a sudden, man, now your back's against the wall. You're you're way behind. You can't let them get you can't let them just keep getting a 20 points here or 20 points there. Next thing you know, what one does really well and he's got 60 points that weekend and you know, so uh, to keep it tight, you got to have a good weekend. You know, uh, I'm not saying we got to win the race, but we sure do need to go at least semifinals, you know, and and to be able to stay right there and Hopefully, I'm I'm a big fan of all my competitors now. I'm rooting for some guys. Like, come on, boys, help me out here a little bit, you know. And, yeah. And uh, hoping a few things go right. Yeah, it's it is kind of a funny thing that uh, kind of all three of you guys now want Ron Caps to block for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he, he Caps, may be working for the highest bidder. St. Louis, I'm like, come on, Caps, really? You know. <laughs> Um, you know, I think one of the things that makes this this three way battle so compelling, and if you're a if, if anybody's just a casual fan of drag racing and they click through the channels and land on our race on a Sunday, um, they're going to have no idea that you, Matt, and Jack are teammates unless we tell them. And I think that's a really cool thing. It's not a situation where there is clearly one person who has been anointed that this is how it's going to go for the rest of the season. I mean, this has been a knockdown drag out, and it's going to continue to be to the end of the year. And it certainly speaks a lot to the funny car operation at DSR because, you know, Caps may not be within this bubble of the top three cars, but he's also uh, has had a great season. He's, he's won races, uh, the great Gator Nationals win, but the fact that it comes down to three cars who are teammates, but you'd never really know on the surface makes it pretty neat. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, in this week, during the, the week at the shop, you know, they're all working together and they're, you know, they're comparing notes and, and, you know, hey, we saw this last weekend. You guys see this at all? And they got, they, all the crew chiefs work really good together. The teams work great together and everybody helps each other out. And once we pull into the track, there's still a little bit of that. And as the weekend goes along, it gets less and less. And then come Sunday, it's, you know, we're all four individual teams that are all housed under the same roof. That's basically how it goes because we're, we're, we are there for ourselves. We all want to win and teams individually. And man, I thought it was cool. Uh, you know, Beckman's won two, Hagen's won two, I've won two, and Caps has won two this year. I, I thought, boy, that's that's pretty impressive that you have four teams, but yet the parity between those four teams is so incredible that we've all won two races this year. So it's it's a it's a neat neat situation, and and there's no favoritisms. You know, it's yeah. it's every team for themselves, and who can come out on top? And it's it's basically who does a better job on that given Sunday because we all have pretty much the same resources and same parts, and and uh, whoever does the best job that certain weekend. There's been a neat situation that really has occurred between all three of you guys that are leading right now, which is the fact that you've all had this rebound type of weekend after a tough race. Uh, you know, both Matt and Jack have had a first round loss that they followed up the next race with a win. You had a second round loss that you followed up with a win. Um, you know, that's the resiliency I think that really was what it takes to be a champion in this sport. Is you cannot let the bad streaks continue. You have to really head them off. And I w- I'm wondering. In the, in the context of this year with the two qualifying sessions, with the shorter number of races, is the, the clutch program that you guys are working on and that you guys have, is that benefited by this, meaning that you're not going to run out of the good discs? Like you have this, this library, this volume of discs that you're going to use and they're going to be able to take it to the end? 
Yeah, I think that's definitely an advantage. You know, I mean, it happens every year. You have a, a good part of the year, and the car's running great, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're out of this disc, and now we have to change our program a little bit. And you try and plan for it. You try to uh, test uh, test some disc along the way in the season to, to try to make your uh, program as consistent as possible. But that is the good thing. And I think, like you said, the two qualifying runs and then right into race day, you're really not trying to try new stuff. You're not trying to have a new, you know, let's go a different route and see how this works because you have to stick to basics. You kind of got to stick with your basic setup that you know works and don't venture off too far from it because you don't get enough runs to uh, really try stuff and do things. So you're, you're basically seeing this is the, the go-to tune-up for these crew chiefs. You know, this is what we know works and this is what we know runs. And I, I think a lot of things, like we saw the air was so good in St. Louis, but we didn't see the big, big numbers like we you would, it would sometimes expect. And I think it's because you, you really can't take that big step. You really have to kind of, just to stick to what we know and makes us go down there and make it run as good as we can and without without venturing too far out of the box. Yeah, there's the old saying that like there's no such thing as too much ice cream, and, and actually I think we saw that there there can be too much ice cream, and that's what St. Louis was. We we had too much yeah. we had too much ice cream to, to kind of deal with there, and and that was one of the things that I didn't take into account when I was you know I'm getting myself ready for the race, and I keep looking at this forecast and I'm thinking, oh man, we're just going to blow this stuff out of the water, and you know we got our little side bets going in the booth, thinking, okay. Funny car record's probably going to stay, but I bet the top fuel record goes down. And and really, the only track record we reset was the uh, was the speed record for Tony Schumacher. And and it was funny because his was the first car down that night, and everyone's like, "All right, this is going to be awesome." And then the bottom fell out of it. <laughs> yeah, it got it got too cold. I mean, as you could tell the the track was freshly prepped. Tony went out there, boom, right down the track, and then you could just see it as the as the session went along. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, I thought, man, of all times, be the last car down the track. You know. <laughs> Man, one last thing I want to touch on with you about the St. Louis win. You brought it up on your top end interview, but I'm thinking, and I know you guys have had conversations since, your dad winning at this racetrack in St. Louis in 1976, you being there as a kid. Um, I guess over the last week or so when you've been talking to your dad, have, have things or memories bubbled up that maybe you had forgotten about that day when he pulled it off? Yeah, I mean, it was it was so special. I mean, I I grew up in Iowa, just about four hours north of there. And, I mean, we raced in St. Louis all the time. My dad was, a, as a sportsman racer, we were down in St. Louis racing. It seemed like, you know, five, six, seven times a year. And a lot of friends from that area. They actually even knew Wayne Miner. He used to own the track back in the day. And they had the Stages Nightclub there. And, you know, just the, all the memories of it, it going the other direction. And, and such a, I don't know, it just seemed like a really – special moment for me you know I've, I've gotten runner up there twice and it was kind of disheartening i wanted to win it because that was the race my dad won as a as, you know a national event and i've seen that trophy. my dad's had that picture on their wall at home for years you know i mean it was his only national event win and and so you, you kind of want to do that and man we got to the final and i thought man if i could pull this off i'd really love that you know if we could do that because that's where he won and it made it a lot more special i mean um to me, yeah, the points were great, and that was cool, and the win's great, but it, it meant more to me to win it because that's what my dad won. And, and uh, I actually raced alcohol funny cars that track and went the other direction. And oh, wow. uh, so it's so much history there, you know, and uh, just a really special moment. We've talked a lot about it. And, you know, he, he says, uh, on the way home, he says, you know, you got to stop and get something to eat. But the, he says, you know, we, we, we spurged that night, and we stopped at McDonald's on the way home. <laughs> When we, when we after we won, he says, "I thought this is it. I've won the national event when I stopped at McDonald's on our way home." He goes, "But there was other big time racers in there eating McDonald's too." So it was it was probably by chance, but we did have McDonald's on the way home that night. So that's fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my wife even texted a picture and said, "Hey, uh, we're having McDonald's." Just so you know. <laughs> 
Oh, that's really great, man. Yeah, it's a it was a cool story, and you know, I look at I look at your last couple of years in your career, and and clicking off wins that have had a lot of personal significance to you, whether it's Denver or this one. Um, you know, I think they all mean something, but it's kind of been neat to watch you. Um, achieve these personal goals as well you know and I think it makes for a fun it even kind of a secondary layer a fun layer of the story when you know that that particular event or that particular racetrack has you know kind of a family history or just a uh, personal meaning to you like when you won at Denver that had taken you and you chipped away at it for so long it is I'll tell you what it's 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 more than a win you know it's it's a it's a lifetime of memories and and that's why I've done this all my life is I, I love the sport and love the uh the relationships and all the memories I've gotten, you know, I mean, I, I've been going to the racetracks ever since I was two weeks old and, and I have a lot of special memories from these different tracks and to be able to get those wins at those certain tracks has just been, uh, it's, it's really been special. You know, uh, you race all these years and you think, well, it'd be cool to win that one one day, you know, and, and when it finally happens, you're like, Hey, we did it, you know? And, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely meant a lot more to me than just the trophy at that race or that certain event and, or the big picture of points. And there's so much more personal meaning to them. And, and, uh, it's made it a little more gratifying. I think, uh, with the last few wins here have been, had some other special meanings to them. Well, this weekend coming up in uh, Dallas looks like it's going to be a little bit more normal. Temperatures will not be subarctic. I think we're going to be in the normal 70 to 80 degree range down there and should be pretty fast. So good luck this weekend, TJ. It's been uh, and it continues to be a blast watching the three uh, top funny cars in the category kind of trade blows week after week and wish you all the best this weekend at the AAA Fall Nationals. I appreciate it, Brian. Man, I'd love, to, I'd love to win that one, too. I haven't got emotional reasons for Dallas, but uh, it's uh, I don't know if they're that big, but it's where I got my top fuel license, where I started my whole career at, so um, in the professional ranks and got my top fuel license there on a Monday after the race. So uh, if we can win that one, it would be a special meeting as well, so we'll go out there and do our best. I like it. The, the TJ Lifetime Memories Tour. We're on it right now, baby. <laughs> Good luck, man. Hey, yeah, thanks. Well, let's make a big one at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give you the we'll give you the trophy that's a few feet tall if you're able to pull this one and a couple more off, man. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, DJ. Great conversation with Tommy Johnson Jr. about the funny car category. Now we're going to transition over to Top Fuel as I am joined with everybody's favorite racer from Huntington Beach, California, Cameron Ferrey. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? What's happening? Not a whole bunch. Not a whole bunch, but a whole bunch all at once. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you can you can say that again. You can say that again. My my days consist of uh, bouncing back and forth between uh, my school that I teach at and watching my kid and remodeling a kitchen and all kinds of stuff. So I know the feeling. Yeah, so I'm like going like 9,000 different places at once. Yeah, and, and you are. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is, um, first off, I want to talk about your kind of educational situation you're in now as you said you're you're, you're educating you're teaching you're working at a uh, effectively like i'm gonna say a trade school but it's a, like a vocational body shop program i mean get us up yeah. to speed about what you're doing well actually um i've been in the auto body trade per se basically my whole life that's what my family's done for pretty much my whole life my dad's been in that that industry for a very long time and uh, just kind of a natural progression um he's got a business that we do a lot of custom helmets race cars and things like that as well um and i've grown up around it and whatnot but <clears throat> when i left race back i had the opportunity to uh to teach um at cerritos college and compton community college they're both community colleges here in uh, in southern california that uh, have pretty big automotive programs um and it's just uh, basically a vocation for uh 
you know the trade and it's it's a big it's a big push trying to get people to to get into the trade as well because <clears throat> like i said a lot of people just everybody thinks they got to work with their with their hands on a computer these days but uh, we need way more techs in the world so um, i teach uh, anything from beginning to advanced auto body and painting over there and uh, it's a really good time i really enjoy it i miss i do miss my time with the race pack and you know i went to college for marketing but um it's good to have a fallback plan you know when things uh when they move the company back east and i wasn't interested in moving so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, here i am so but it, it all worked out i you know it still lets me race and and do all the things i want to do so i'm super grateful for the opportunity and I enjoy doing it. Do any of the students pay attention to NHRA drag racing or any of them familiar with what you do when you're not in the classroom? Yeah, they do. As a matter of fact, because obviously they're all car guys, yeah. or girls. And, uh, so they, they're like, man, you know, it's funny cause on a Monday I'll come in and they're, you know, they, they see that I'm tired or whatever. So <laughs> I just got stepped off of a plane or, you know, 20 minutes before that or something like that. But, uh, yeah, no, they they follow it pretty religiously, and uh, I think it's really cool that uh, their teacher does some, something pretty crazy on the weekends. Yeah, so. it is great. And, you know, you mentioned that your time you had with Race Pack, and honestly, you know, that time and the relationships you built at Race Pack have helped you get back on the racetrack in 2020. Um, you have Haltech on the side of your car is one of the companies that's supporting you and keeping you out there. And obviously, some of your some of your connections and your history at Race Pack translate directly to some of the folks at Haltech. So if you could talk a little bit about that, just because I really think it's important especially you know in the times we're in at the moment i think it's so vitally important that we talk about the people who are keeping racers like you on the racetrack because um it's so valuable at this time not that it isn't valuable ever but right now it's insanely insanely important oh 100 percent. i mean honestly and a lot of people don't realize you know sitting in the stand sometimes uh what it takes to actually drive one of these cars you know on any sort of level whether that's a stock eliminator super stock super comp top fuel whatever it's it's it all revolves around money and uh you know unfortunately uh i have a great life but i don't come from a bunch of it so i gotta go find it to a race so um and that's would it be okay nice with me. yeah and that's that's perfectly fine with me and i i uh i don't take that as a you know as a down sure. or anything like yeah, that yeah. but um you know just gotta work harder than the next guy and, and luckily companies like Haltech and and MP, the you know one of the largest aftermarket manufacturers for Volkswagen and stuff like that, they've they've uh, really helped me in High Five Energy this this year. Uh, you know, energy supplements. They, you know, I just go around and I, I try to you know I pick a region and, and try to find something that uh, that works for them. You know, it's it's all about you know sure it's all about keeping you know Cameron Frey out on the track, but it's also about getting these recognition for these sponsors and TV time and, you know, something for them. If they're going to give me money, I have to give them something in return. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. And it's really, really hard right now because, because of what's going on in the world. And I'm extremely grateful for, you know, people like, you know, Tim and Corey and, and all the people behind me at, you know, Haltech, High Five and, you know, you know, MP and, and all these people that, uh, you know, and I have a lot of people like, you know, JBS is one of the largest, uh, farming equipment manufacturers, uh, you know, in North America, they, they help me out a ton. And, you know, a lot of these people behind the scenes, some people, you might not see the sticker on the car all the time or something like that. Um, but there's a, it takes literally a village in order for this stuff <laughs> to happen for camera for race. So, um, I'm extremely grateful for every single one of them. And sometimes I forget, you know, them or in an interview or something like that that you know they all know who they are and 
you know, I do my best to try on social media to, to plug other companies and things like that because it's, it's very important because at the end of the day, they got to sell stuff in order to sponsor people. So, um, you know, we got to keep it, keep it all rolling. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to you is because the fact that you are a marketer and you're a hustler and you're a guy who uh, maybe more so than, than the majority, and I'm not saying this is a negative, but more so than the majority of competitors in the category understand the hustle that it takes to try to put the money together. And again, like you said, it's not a knock on anybody, but um, you come from a different perspective than a lot of the other competitors. So what was your take on how this whole camping world thing happened as a marketer? It was insane as a guy who talks about drag racing for a living, but as a guy who's actually involved in marketing, what was your take when we were all watching this from the sidelines? Yeah, man, we actually talked about this a lot on on the podcast that I do with Donald Neal Racers and Rental Cars. And, you know, I thought whether it happened or not, I thought it was rather genius because, um, you know, he's he's a I, – I like his style um, of the way that he goes about things. He's very blunt. He's very aggressive. And, you know, putting out a tweet or something like that, even I was telling Don that even if this didn't work out, look at how much free press this guy and his company just got for absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. You know, he was in USA Today. He was in Auto Week. He was in all these places. Freddie didn't even sign a deal. Yeah. So that just goes to show you, like, the guy's very forward-thinking, and he knows what's up. And, you know, I've never met him. Um, I've looked forward to meeting him, and hopefully, you know, it, it brings a lot of new enthusiasm into the sport. And, you know, like I've talked about with some other people as well, like, you know, he he's the head of, of Camping World, and that's pretty much everything that we do. You know, I'm sure we're, we're driving to every different parking lot, asphalt parking lot, grass parking lot there is across the country. So, you know, what better way to, to have somebody sponsor our, our stuff than, than something like Camping World. And I think it's awesome, along with look at the shelves that he has in his stores. Look at yeah. all the companies that we can overturn and, and check out and, you know, maybe get them to experience NHRA drag racing as a whole. And hopefully, you know, it'll grow the sport for the better. You know, you know, there's a lot of young kids like myself, you know, me, Krista Baldwin, she just got her top field license, Jordan sure. Vandergriff, Josh Austin Brock. Yeah. Mean, we, we are essentially the the future of the sport yeah. and I just really really hope that these companies and sponsors and, and people can start to see that maybe we need to invest in the in, in the underdog and the younger kids because if not we're not going to have a sport for very long so yeah. I really hope that it, it kind of is a changing of the guard a little bit and, and allows allows more opportunities for everybody and, and I, I think it will and you know you can kind of start to see you know it's uh, there's a lot of young fresh faces out there and I hope that we can keep it that way yeah and and you know I can never nor would I speak negatively about Coke because uh, what they did for for NHRA for over 20 years they cannot go without recognition and yeah Absolutely. the way the way it ended uh, certainly not the way anybody would have foreseen or hoped but for two decades I mean they've been a great partner and then I look at this Really, it could not be more different. The relationship between a giant multi-global corporate, multi-planet. They may Coke has probably sold on other planets. We just don't know it yet. Uh, <laughs> interplanetary corporation versus a company that has a real dynamic kind of leader to it. And yeah, I was joking with somebody. I said, you know, in 20 years of with working with Coke, I'm not sure we ever actually made it to their Twitter feed. Let alone, right. <laughs> let alone started a relationship publicly with a company like that. And right, it's it's a different world out there now. And you know, the the younger kids, we got to find ways to you know get these products and all this stuff through social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these things, and and whatever the next thing is, TikTok, what you know, whatever it yeah. may be. 
we got to be forward thinking and, and look at that kind of stuff. And it's it's great to have somebody that that's that's into that. And I think it's great that he has a TV show too. Yeah. Um, because that puts another mainstream spin on things, and you know maybe get some more eyes on on the sport that that wouldn't normally maybe they watch golf or whatever. But you know hopefully he can he can help us out in that regard. Yeah, and I guess on the other front, um, another question I had for you regarding this whole thing is obviously with uh, the departure of Coca-Cola, this opens up a massive, um, you know, beverage side of things that really, you know, I, there was no restriction on having a beer sponsor or anything in the, in the past, but I'm really not sure any of those companies are interested in coming in and being not even second fiddle, being kind of a very small fiddle underneath the Coke umbrella. And I would guess uh, that those avenues are probably going to be pursued by a lot of different racers out there as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many, there's so many supplement drinks and energy drinks and beers and, you know, vodkas and all these sparkling this and that. And the other thing, I mean, there's, there's a handful of them. Uh, just, I just really hope that, uh, they're, they're interested in getting back into drag racing because, you know, some of them, a lot of the, a lot of, I think the biggest problem a lot of people don't understand with, you know, when you're trying to find the money that we're trying to find is a lot of these, these companies, they're all, they're all kind of one now, <laughs> you know, we yes. used to have, yes. we used to have Coors, Budweiser, Miller, like, like a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these beer companies, and it's one company, it is, it's one company now and they own everything. So if the one person running the ship isn't interested, then unfortunately, you know, that kind of knocks out 20 brands, you know what I mean? So hopefully they'll be changing the regard in regards to that because of, you know, what our new title sponsor and, and I'm really looking forward to exploring those avenues and, you know, hopefully circling back around to some people that I've uh, talked to in the past and, um, tell them camera for still here nice no that's great what's the uh what's the rest of your season look like uh we got three races left what's your plan or what's your hope so far yeah the the plan and the hope is uh we're for sure doing uh dallas this weekend and and houston and then i assume i'm almost 90 percent sure we'll do vegas too because that's close to my close to my uh location and uh you know i want to be out there i want to do every single one of them you know all 22 slash 23 or however many we end up with next year i want to be there and you know an entry drag racing is what i want to do and you know i I can't take that you know thank terry haddock enough for for letting me kind of you know sure we may not be running you know stellar numbers and you know but we're out there and and in order to to get the big sponsors stuff and stuff like that you got it you got to be out there or else you're going to be out of sight out of mind and you know i, I want to stay relevant in the sport and you know that's my biggest goal and thanks to terry for allowing me to to kind of keep that happening and rolling and so we'll see what happens in 21 as you uh you know as you evolve your career and continue to work toward the ultimate goal that uh, that you have you know when when you take this period of time that you've been racing with terry you know what are some of the lessons you're going to take with you uh as you go down the road and and obviously your partnership with terry's been good hopefully it remains good but when what are the, the i guess the key components you've kind of been able to put in your back pocket in terms of being a top fuel racer especially over the course of a normal 2019 season when you were basically at if not every single race just about every single race yeah i mean the biggest thing is uh i guess number one i could say always have a backup plan yeah (laughs) in regards to you know don't uh don't put all your eggs in one basket whether that's with uh you know sponsorship or um a ride or you know anything a job you know the biggest thing is you got to make sure your home life is is great and and i'm lucky that uh you know i have a beautiful wife and and family at home that that kind of keeps me grounded and allows me to pursue what i want to do but you know terry taught me a lot about you know hard work and determination you know he he uh is an underrated guy he's done a lot for me that a lot of people you know kind of kind of washed over with me you know i've had a lot of people ask me they say yeah you're perfect how much money do you have 
And, you know, Terry, you know, I always say Terry didn't look at me like that. You know, I mean, sure, it costs a lot of money to run these cars, but, he, you know, he saw something in me to give me a chance to get the the seat time that yeah. you have to have in order to get to the next level. And, you know, he always jokes all the time. He's like, Oh, has Don called you yet? <laughs> you know, he's like, I know, I know it's coming. And I said, Oh, not yet. I don't even know if he knows my name, but maybe he does. I don't know. So, um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I, he, he, uh, he's the true racers racer and, uh, you know, he does it for the love and the passion and he just wants to be out there and, and uh, you know, make everyone smile. And, you know, he, he straps me in the car every time and, and he tells me, he's like, you know, we may not be running the fastest out here, but you got to, you got to understand. He said, you're one of, you know, 16 people in the world that's, that's yep. here right now sitting in the seat and not sitting in the stands wishing or, you know, yeah. talking, talking all the internet mumbo jumbo. And, you know, and that's pretty cool. You know, he, really is. he's a, He's got a big heart, and, you know, I, I really appreciate what he's done for my career. That's for sure. I will tell you, um, you know, it was him kind of joking, as Don called yet. It, you know, what's funny, and it rings true for my own life, where, um, you know, as I was a kid working at New England Dragway, and, and Joe Lombardo was the guy that ran that place for so many years that I worked for for like a decade plus, and he always used to say, they're going to come steal you from me. And I used to think, listen, man, we're in the corner of New Hampshire. Nobody knows I'm here. I, I, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. And sure enough, they came and stole me. And so, yep. you know, maybe Maybe it's not Don that calls. Maybe it's somebody else. But you know, Terry's been around the sport long enough and understands the dynamics of people. And and like you said, he does not get enough credit for what he's been able to accomplish with the resources he has at hand. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you know. it's you know he's got the uh, he's got the instincts that he knows. And and the fact of the matter is, he's the type of guy that will be happy when that day comes. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, if if and when that day does happen, you know, I have a feeling that uh, you know he would be the he would be the one that uh, you know has one of the larger smiles on his face. You know, because cause he can he can be a part of it, and yeah. you know, say that he he helped with you know that, and uh, you know, and and, and that's one hundred percent right. You know, I uh, I I do my best uh, to not burn any bridges in this world, and you know, because they always come come back to you. Yes. You know, you, and you may need to cross it one day again, and <laughs> yeah. you know, that's you know, all I have. You know, I may not have a ton of money, but all I have is my reputation, and I, and I feel like that uh, I've been able to, to keep a pretty good reputation out there, and, you know, I, I, I strive really hard to, to keep that, so. No, that's great. So, I guess uh, yeah. one last question before I let you run. Has uh, Have you been able to get out in the Super Comp car at all? Has your wife been out running the Super Comp car at all? I know that those uh, sportsman <laughs> dragsters are hanging around there, too. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, uh, we had a, a motor issue at the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, my motor is sitting at the engine builder done up in San Francisco, and I just honestly haven't had time to go pick it up. <laughs> um, I was, I might actually run it at the Vegas National if you know that all ends up happening, Good. but um, I'd like to, I'd like to get it out there because, and my wife, she would be running it, but uh, she's actually pregnant right now. So, oh man, congratulations! Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. We were expecting a daughter in February, so doubling um, down, man. Yeah. Doubling yeah, down, man. You know, got a boy and a girl, so uh, we're pretty happy about that. But she's chomping at the bit. She's like, you know, man, I don't even want you to run it because I want it all to be ready and perfect, <laughs> you know, for for next season. Because she's already looking at the schedule and, and ready to jump into things. So <laughs> That's great. She's. Uh, it's pretty awesome to have a wife that uh, you know is, is in is into racing as I am. So you know, and, and quite a supporter. So it's really cool and. I love watching her and, and uh, seeing the smile on her face because then, you know, when she gets in and out of the car, she gets it. She understands why I'm so crazy and why I do this so bad. So, um, so yeah, but we'll, we'll have it out there for sure. You know, maybe the divisional at the end of this year, if I can get, get up there and get the motor somehow and get it put in. But if not, she's got a full campaign in 2021 already lined up. Awesome. So 
Yeah, she'll run the wheels off of it. Well, man, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. I always love catching up with you and certainly uh, really love your grit and determination. I think that you represent a lot of the really good things that uh, that drag racing is about in terms of you know working hard to find your spot getting your spot and now working to uh, working to improve it so good luck this weekend uh hope to see you obviously at the final three races and a little bird whispered in my ear that we'll probably be going to vegas so you don't have to worry about that <laughs> excellent i uh, i like the sounds of that and uh, i always i always enjoy talking to you you're a super cool guy and like you said you uh you came from the bottom and uh, now you're at the top and uh you know what that's all about and I think uh, I, I really think really highly of you. So I uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you in a few days, huh? Sounds good, man. Hopefully you uh, you know get all those Bondo snots out before you get to the racetrack, all right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Cameron. All right, man. See Take you. Care. And two great conversations again on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Really fun to talk to a guy like Tommy Johnson Jr., who is certainly – coming to perhaps the end of a nitro funny car racing career i'm sure he hopes to continue we know that his md anderson cancer center giving car sponsorship will be done at the end of this year and we know that don schumacher racing is working to fulfill or i should say to fill that sponsor gap and with new opportunities opening up through the camping world announcement who knows hopefully they will but i think tommy johnson jr is really pushing all of his chips into the center of the table to make a championship run here in 2020 and for cameron foray this is a guy who's still very much on the beginning side of his top fuel career career and again every time that guy gets to the racetrack it is a victory for every dude on his couch that dreams about going top fuel drag racing and has been able to put the pieces together so there you have it two ends of the spectrum when it comes to nitro racing and when we get down to dallas we will see the entire spectrum of not only nitro racing but also gasoline and alcohol powered racing as the dot rather the triple a of texas nhra fall nationals are a, a big event we have all four of the mellow yellow categories we have uh, Pro Modify, the E3 Spark Plugs Pro Modified series. We have, I believe we do have the Samtech.edu factory stock showdown category, and we will have a full complement of Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series action, including our top alcohol funny cars and top alcohol dragsters. We'll find out who will inch closer to a championship this weekend. Should be some thrills, maybe some chills. We'll just hope that we have gotten rid of all the spills that we had in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Lone. Certainly appreciate you being a fan of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. Let's see how many times I screw that up this weekend on television. Hopefully none for my job security. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.